Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 1, The Book of Kevin. It's the, the premiere Season 3, obviously. Oh boy, are we. What'd you think? Um... I, I thought it was I thought it was great. I was I had a I, I thought the episode was more fun than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh I laughed aloud at many of the the um moments both big and small. Um I thought it went really leaned into some of the religious imagery that we were kinda of talking about in the preview podcast and, and, and exceeded mm-hmm. it. Um and got really into this kind of heady material. Also ask a lot of questions that we don't have answers for when you do a three year time jump, like where's Lily? Yeah. What happened uh, to Lily? Where's Erica? Where's Erica? Uh, you know, but and then it had a very audacious uh, ending. That if you had asked me, if you had asked me how I'd have felt about a flash forward in the first episode of season three a week ago, I'd have been like, "Oh Christ, Lindelof, what the hell?" But yeah. by the time we got there, I I was chuckling at just how audacious the show can be, and I just roll with it. What did you think? Yeah. Uh, I I largely agree that that ending is interesting because it has a very lost feel to me, and that gets me worried sometimes. You know when they lean too heavily in the sort of things that strung people along and lost right that idea of mystery. And they've specifically said you know the show is not about that. Um, and and I don't I don't think they're trying to introduce like an alternate universe here or anything crazy like that. It's literally just a flash forward to see where Nora has ended up. Yeah, at some you know, unknown point in the future. But it doesn't re- – other than that Nora is going to make it through the next 14 days. Right. Um, it, it tells you nothing. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's even 14 days in the future. I yeah. mean, she looks pretty old. She could she, – it, it's probably maybe, years maybe there's the Maybe there's a twin sister we don't know about. <laughs> right. Maybe she's wearing age makeup. This is but, what I mean when I say it leans toward Lost, right? Maybe right. slightly too much um, right. for me. So – I don't know. The ending was a little iffy for me, but the rest of it was great. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, you know, it's just the product of two seasons with these characters, with most of these characters, that, you know, that really just make it enjoyable to watch. We understand these people. We understand the relationships between them. Right. Uh, it, it just, I, I don't know, it feels very natural watching the show. It does. And, like, there's some things that I was, like, confused about, but I think the right. other characters are confused about and surprised, and I think the other characters are surprised. And, yeah. you know, everything that we talked about, like, I remember us saying that, like, man, the government is not going to put up with the guilty remnant doing this. Like, this is yeah. this is a giant terrorist attack and an affront to the, 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 the still grieving nation and the world, really. Mm-hmm. And that was swiftly answered in yeah. this episode with a uh, drone strike. <laughs> it sure was. Thanks, Obama. We've been dealing with <laughs> these assholes for two years. I presume that I don't know who's 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 pulling the trigger in the leftovers universe. Timeline. It's probably Obama. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So th- thanks for taking care of that smug Meg. He's a little drone happy too. Right. I think, you know, he's a guy who liked to use drones. So <laughs> he did. He, he did. did. Uh, uh, with that's very little thing. accountability. So I guess. You know, th- this takes place over four different time periods, right? You've got – you go all the way back to 1844. You've got right after we left the Guilty Remnant in Miracle yep. or Jarden uh, last season. Then you've got a flash forward for three years. And then you've got Nora's stuff, which takes place some in, undetermined time, yeah. amount of time in the future. Or maybe so. she's maybe she's uh, stuck in the hotel. Maybe. She didn't know how to get Her out, so she just Australia. decided yeah, – I, I think the canonical – Hotel is in Australia, isn't it? What if you leave? Can you leave the hotel? 
She just he, refused to sing. She's like, no, this right. is stupid, and she stuck to her guns, and that's uh-huh. why she started raising pigeons in the afterlife. Just, she couldn't figure out how to get out. That's the thing. I imagine if you leave the hotel and you go out like into Dream World Heaven City, uh-huh. you could lose like track of where the hotel even is and sure. then never be able to find it sure. and get out. And it's a dream. It keeps, it's, it's like Inception. Right. It keeps twisting around and shifting. Who knows? So, yeah, I mean, we really don't know what's up with Nora, but uh-huh. she seems a bit older. Uh, what do you think the the play here is with Meg. Do you think this is all part of her plan to be blown up, to be, you know, a bigger living reminder? Yes. Okay. I mean, I I I don't think it's the last we'll see of Meg. I suspect that we will get uh, flashbacks, mm-hmm. or I'm also uh, I I also wouldn't be surprised to see her taking on some kind of Patty role. Yeah. With Kevin. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, I think, you know, between us. And uh, I think Tom is probably a likely candidate to have a, Ooh, that'd be a, a head too. Meg. Right. Yeah. She had to get him pregnant after all. She did. Uh, so And it, it's – there's a history of this in the family. Yeah, right? yeah I know yeah. he's not his biological son, but – Right. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, but his mom went off the deep end and joined the guilty remnant. <laughs> That's there's, true. There's remnant. There's all, there's all kinds of uh, – when you say it – there's a family history that means that means a lot of things, and yeah, uh, you you could probably check off any box you want between between Lori and, and Kevin. Um, hey, before we get into the episode proper, just want to remind everybody that we are entering into a grand slam. Well, I guess we're one short of a grand slam. Yeah, season. we do movies. Does that count? Movies, uh, yeah, we, yeah. We do movies too. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff going on in Bald Move. It's an unusually busy season. We got the leftovers. We got Better Call Saul. We got Fargo starting this week. Um, all of them are going to be duking out for television supremacy, and we're covering them all. So go to baldmove.com and check it out. You can also subscribe to what we call our Firehose feed. Mm-hmm. It has everything that we do in it, so you don't have to like have all these different uh, podcasts. We're also doing Bald Move Television, um, which we covered to Young Pope earlier this season. We're actually going to be wrapping up uh, coverage of The Expanse because its season finale is this week, probably late this week or, or next week sometime. Uh, we also have bald movies almost every other week. We just got done with the Fate of the Furious. We got uh, Tom Hanks, uh, The Circle coming up, and then Guardians of the Galaxy the week after that. Lots of cool stuff to be on the lookout for baldmove.com if you like that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I do how. I mean, the thing that I guess I most want to talk about, and and this also, as I was compiling my notes, I'm like, man, I said that I was really going to be really critical on theorizing, but then they just really hit us with all the symbology. Or symbolism, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna try to I'm gonna try to just illuminate the imagery for those who might not be clued into what they're trying to suggest, okay, and not really get into heavy theorizing because I think it's 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 far too early in the first episode to say. And also, I, I'm reminded of last episode season, which began with a lot of uh, imagery surrounding another of Daniel's prophecy, the one where the the uh, the magic hand. Disembodied oh, right. hand came during the night of the Babylon's fall, mm-hmm. while the king was feasting with all of his uh, uh, high mucky mucks, and wrote uh, some words on the wall. Uh, Daniel came in and pro- uh, uh, interpreted them, and then the the uh, the Medes and the Persians came and destroyed Babylon that very night. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of imagery suggesting Babylon and handprints and interpreting signs, uh, and then they largely nothing came of that. Yeah, I, I mean, so, a lot of these things are thematic, right? right? And they're not necessarily pointing to specific plot development. Right. 
But did you just what so. I'm saying? So and then now now like they did bring the handprints back, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh. But then as soon as they did, then you it's revealed to be a sham. I think an altruistic sham. Yeah. So like I think that that's why I, I kind of want to uh, harsh it with the theories until we figure out a little bit more going on because you just never know. You never know. Right. But I can't tell because I know a lot of people just you know they didn't go to Bible school. Certainly didn't, you know, study the Bible maybe as much as, 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 as some of us have. Uh, don't have time to do the research, so I'll, I'll, I'll point those out as we go. Okay. Uh, the other thing, and I, I don't know if you, you, you recognize this in real time, but did you get, you, you know, if, if people are new to the podcast, uh, Jim and I were raised as Jehovah's Witnesses, which is this millennial Adventist cult. Um, and the beginning of the show depicts the great disappointment period of the Millerites and the Jehovah's Witnesses are like two sects removed from the Millerites. Uh, you know, there was, uh, the, 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 our, our founder was influenced a lot by the Miller, uh, teachings and took a lot of that, you know, uh, biblical math and prophetic things from Daniel and came up with the date 1914, mm-hmm. September 1914, instead of April 1844, um, of course, that was another great disappointment. And, uh, yeah, it was all pretty disappointing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought, like, I've often said that I feel this show is made for me, and then when they open up with the Millerites, I'm like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. And it's also it's, – it's, it's, it's leftovers in a microcosm because you have this family – um, and I, I thought there was I, – I watched this like five times because I'm doing this thing where I've got it on in the background when I'm compiling my notes. Uh-huh. And I watched this scene almost every single time. And about the third time I realized that when they're going around peddling their goods, yeah, um, they're, they're pushing around an empty crib. Now, hmm. it could be that they've held on to this with their 10, 11, 12-year-old boy. But I interpreted it as that they've, this family has recently undergone a loss. And they turn to the Millerites and, and knowing that the resurrection and their rapture is coming around and they've, they've taken hope uh, and, you know, how, and, and to see this kind of destroy the family within this disappointment and the fact that everyone's got different breaking points. Right. Um, and it was, you know, poignant and painful for, for myself because, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of lived through that. Like I, I woke up to the, to the, to realization that none of this was, was real or true. My mom and my brother are still in it and they've, they've cut me off. Um, so like, I really felt, um, this, this frustration, this anger and the sorrow from both sides. And it was, it really, it really walloped me. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, no, I think this opening is excellent. I was reading, um, an interview with Mimi letter on variety. She kind of, talked about the summation of this season and what it's what it's going to be about mm-hmm. essentially about the stories that people tell themselves yeah um and you can see that they they kind of open pretty heavy-handedly with that message yeah. um not just in the opening of of the episode but the episode as a whole like everybody in this town is telling themselves a story mm-hmm. um from john to matt to kevin to i mean everybody and these millerites are a perfect example of it and um, there's a quote from John where he, you know, he says, w- this can't all be for nothing, essentially. Like, what's the point if we're not living for something? Uh, the, the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you can imagine, like, these Millerites living in the time that they live in. It's a much harder life. Uh-huh. There's a lot of reasons to be uh, looking for meaning. Sure. Because there's so much suffering. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, this opening is really good to show and, and- kind of the stories that – this woman is telling herself and yeah. that her family's buying into, but only for a limited amount of time. 
Yeah, and also the other thing about the Millerites and all these other restoration movements is there was a little bit of scientific bent to it. Like, you know, you're 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 this is a follow-on movement to the kind of the Great Enlightenment, and people are using math and science and actually archaeology and history techniques to undercover what the original true church that Jesus founded, and like, oh, look how fucked up the the Lutherans and Catholics and Protestants are, and we're going to take it back to the beginning and we're going to do everything right. And, oh my God, if you do this historical math analysis, it's just like all these, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're kind of doing the best they can. But what's interesting about all these movements is no one gives up. Everyone's like John that says, we didn't go through all this for nothing. This has to be some meaning. Oh, we got a pigeon. Oh, I forgot to carry the one. (laughs) Right. And then how many of those, and, and and every time that happens, like some of the faithful peels off, and I saw that with the witnesses. Like you know, yeah, they, you can see it in this episode too. Right there, and in, in fact, in in researching this for the, I found out that the witnesses actually are the largest and most successful of several sectarian cults that splintered off from the uh, international Bible students became the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's like five right. other ones. Huh, I didn't know that. That they all like some of them clinging to the original preachings of Pastor Russell, and some of them think they went wrong when Rutherford took over, and. <laughs> Right. You know, and they all think they have the truth, and they all think, oh... Isn't we... that the definition of a cult of personality? Right, right. And, and like, <laughs> oh, like first it's like, well, Jesus didn't come, and then it's like, no, he actually did come, but he came invisibly. That's the ticket. Oh, okay. Um, and, and But everyone's got this thing that, like, I, you know, yeah, sure, sure, the, the, they found my daughter's jawbone, and her dental records matched, but, like, you know, she's... And, and there's always... There's always a, a, a grain of truth, right? Like sure. yeah. Evie had disappeared and engineered her own death in a very yeah. mysterious, suspicious way. Right. Uh, at the behest of the, 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 the guilty remnant. And for Matt's story, the, the one that he's telling himself about this place being special. Right. I mean, Kevin is certainly an example of that, right? right? How yeah. it maybe there may be a nugget of truth there. And I've always thought of like my Jehovah's Witness ancestors, like, yo, yeah, Jesus didn't come from the clouds in 1914. But World War One started, mm-hmm. which was a big climactic event right around the time they said he would return. And one of the things in Revelation says Jesus is going to do when he returns, he's going to throw Satan out of heaven. And, yeah. and Satan's going to be pissed and he's going to wage war again. Well, there you go. Like, I, I can see it. Like, I can just see how you can talk yourself into this. Like, oh, sure. of course he returned. It's just invisible. This is all spiritual. We were supposed to. Mm-hmm. So, and they were seeing this with the characters that they just can't. They, 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 they're, they're cleaning these talismans and these, these truths to escape dealing with the grief and the loss that they felt. Yeah, grief and loss and meaninglessness, you know? Yes. Everybody everybody's looking for the reason why they exist and if there is no reason, that's uh that can be pretty devastating to some people. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about that came out in some of these interviews was the fact that we were supposed to understand that yes, these were Millerites, but this was a particular an Australian branch. Huh. of Millerites. Now, I don't know how Power? we're supposed to know yeah. that hmm. because there was no dialogue and maybe uh, maybe there were some building names or something, but they... And, and I, I think it works either way. I don't think you need to know that it was... But but the director and, and Lindelof both said that we were supposed to understand that uh, that this was uh, an offshoot of the Millerites that was... And that's why they okay. were corresponding via, via pigeons. Yeah, uh, I think that didn't come across at all to me no so i, I think they failed on that right. regard but yeah it ultimately doesn't matter too much what do you make of the dissolve from the the sorrowful remnant that was left behind uh, to the modern day guilty remnants um i'm not exactly sure but it's tying together these two belief structures right mm. like uh the, the guilty remnant seem so much different than 
than the Millerites, though. I think like their goals aren't the same. Let's talk about this. So we have a woman who's been disillusioned because she did she did all these extreme acts. Because one of the things the Millerites did is they gave away all their earthly possessions Mm -hmm. because they anticipated rapture. What did the guilty remnant do? They sign over all their earthly possessions. Yeah. Um, The day came and a disappointment happened. Evie clearly is like, okay, we we kicked over the hornet's nest. Now what? And Meg essentially says there is no now what because now the hornets are going to sting us to death. And yeah. like, like I think you're supposed to understand that you know. While I don't know that the redheaded woman in 1844, um, I, I I don't know that you're supposed to understand that she just died of uh, hypothermia in a heap of dirty, dirty white ragged wearing people. Uh-huh. Um, certainly that happened to Evie. Yeah. So I, I think you're just supposed to understand that these are kind of the same events. Now they didn't have a drone strike technology to deal with failed Millerites. Uh, in the past, but we do now, and there you go. Yeah, could have saved us a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what would life be like? Uh, Anyway. Uh, Yeah, I mean... It, and it ranges... You know, these stories that we we tell ourselves range from what I view as truly psychotic, which is Mm -hmm. Dean the dog shooter. Sure. uh, And his idea that the dogs are taking over the government to get nukes and destroy the Earth. Mm -hmm. Um... Or not, not the dogs, but the whatever is inside the dogs. The dog demons. Yeah, the aliens or whatever he thinks. Yeah. Um, right up to, like, Kevin, who has a very realistic story he's telling himself, which is this idea that um, the, the guilty remnant lit up a cigarette in this in this visitor center and it blew the thing up. Like, he knows it's not true, mm-hmm. but it's a very grounded story. Right. So, like... really everybody's going through this um Uh except i'm not sure where Nora's at right now um we didn't get a real good glimpse into her um progression Mm -hmm. other than she's you know working with the dsd now uh which i think she was before but um i do well i think she wanted to get away from all that which is why she set up a miracle i think it's interesting because they depict this period of time as like a relative period of peace and stability Mm -hmm. like miracle is now like you know a permanent burning man festival Uh but it's fairly well regulated and it's not as tightly wound and and and, you know mythologized as it used to be but there's still a lot of you know, kooky people, they're ultimately harmless and they're getting to be four weeks till the seven year anniversary, two weeks away from uh, university, but anniversary <laughs> of the great depart- departure. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's shown as being stable and Nora's stable and Lily's missing. That's kind of fucked up, but well, it's kind of glossed over. And then kind of you start to see where the shingles are loose and where the yeah. shutters are hanging, not perfectly square. Right. You know, Kevin starts asphyxiating himself. Is this just and Nora starts selling now? pigeons in the future, and you realize that not all. And also, there was a lot of other multiple viewings were very instructive because they do mm-hmm. a lot of things that change how you see it once you know what's going on. Like right. when Matt offers um, when Matt offers Nora his wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know at the time that Lily was gone. You mean Tom? Or sorry, sorry, Tom. Tom. Yeah. Tom offers uh, Nora his wish, and she there's a little brittleness in her. It's your, it's your wish, honey. Yeah. Um, and there's a little, maybe some forced stuff between Kevin and Nora, and, and maybe some sarcasm between Lori and Kevin. Uh, it, it just all kind of starts getting skewed. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I, think, I think that's one of the things they do really well. So can I ask you what you think the point of bringing Dean back was? Um, 
Yeah, I was reading around on Reddit a little bit with people talking about this, and I think the best thing I heard is that they're trying to contrast where Kevin was in season one with he's where like he a yardstick, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, this this is a man who had he given in to Dean a little bit more, might be on that same path with him. And you see Dean, who has gotten no help whatsoever. Yeah. His delusions have grown and grown and expanded and expanded. And Kevin, who has gotten some help and who has, yeah. you know, Kevin has been always portrayed as a man who who clings to his family and, and he wants mm-hmm. to, to preserve some kind of family. A lot of people theorize that that's what he wished from uh, Holy Wayne when Holy Wayne granted his wish. Um, it just compared. Yeah, like like this is where Kevin could be right now. And also, you know, OK, if Kevin's not that crazy, how crazy is he? Because uh-huh. the answer's not zero crazy. No, no, I don't know that anybody in the show is zero crazy. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is like <laughs> or you know, anybody on the planet. Because because we got a lot of feedback that we'll consider about our takes about the you know reality or supernaturalness of the leftovers. But mm-hmm. I don't know that I would describe anyone in the main cast as crazy at this point. Okay. Like like if I'm if, like Matt when he's talking about the book of Kevin. Yeah. Um. He's uh, telling a straightforward account of things that actually happened. Is he? I want to know what's in that book. I want to know what's in that book. I think we're going to know what's in that book. Like, I'm walking out to that barrel. There is no way I toss that in without cracking the cover. I think he's afraid of it. I think he's afraid of it. Oh, I agree. I'd be way too curious. But but think about, like, if, you know, this this is the great thing about the show because it's asking us to put... You know, there's another Matthew that wrote a book about a man. Uh, he was uh, just writing down truthful accounts of what actually happened, and no. that's why people believe in the Bible. Yeah, and he calls it a gospel. Kevin yeah. calls it a gospel. And there's 500 so. people saw Jesus Christ resurrected, and he, right. he fulfilled so many prophecies. Ironically, yesterday, uh, I was driving to the office from dropping my skin off school. had a blinding need to shit. Uh, the only place I could see was a there was a there was a there was a, a portalette in the a park. So I pulled up to it. Guess what's duct taped to the door? A chick tract. Explain <laughs> okay. explain explain to me who Jesus was and how many prophecies. And I read the whole thing because you know I was hard up for something to read. Oh, it's uh, inside. Yeah, it was taped inside. taped inside because okay. that's 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 an appropriate ministry. Sure, absolutely. You yeah. count your hours for that. Yeah. Um, but but you know that's 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 the thing is like I don't I don't I don't think that these people are crazy if they're actually writing down the things that they saw. Yeah, I don't know if it's all supernatural, but they're certainly not crazy. Yeah, yeah no, I don't I don't think that Matt is necessarily crazy. What I would call crazy, I think he has seen a lot of stuff um, that he has, you know, jumped to conclusions about. You know mm-hmm. that this place is the thing that brought Mary back. Mm-hmm. Um, that this place is the thing that's making Kevin special and unable to die. Cured Mary of her barrenness too. Right. He's he's making a lot of assumptions about this place being the thing mm-hmm. um, that just happened to line up with the facts that he as he understands them. Do you think it's interesting the contrast between him and Mary? That Mary has just had enough of this bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I mean it's. Because she's gone through the same things, well, maybe has, even more yeah. in extreme. Like she was the person in a coma mm-hmm. for three years, and miraculously came out of it when she and, and, and like you know she gave birth. I, yeah, but I, I imagine I, you don't feel the weight of that coma, well, like <laughs> the way that other people sure. who didn't experience it would, right? Because sure. they're on the outside looking in. For you, I I don't know this, but I imagine it's like a blank spot, kind of like just being asleep, right? But still, the so she loss, wouldn't have the baggage from that. The loss of those three years, yeah. Um, and and everything that she missed out on, including the great de- departure itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because because she went into coma because of the accident. 
I that had because someone so, yeah. ra- someone departed and then they slammed into that now empty car. So she even missed out on all that. Maybe some of that seems a little dreamlike to her. But I thought it was interesting that she's mm-hmm. just done with Matt's bullshit. Do you do you think that we're going to be treated? I, I say quote, treated in air quotes to a scene of Mary leaving Jarden. And as soon as she gets out of the time, the city limits, she has a seizure and, and, and the oh, car wrecks. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I could totally see that happening. I yeah. feel like that's kind of probably what's going to happen. Nah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared because Noah, Noah's a cute kid, and I always like Mary, and I always like Matt. Yeah. Let's talk about John and Lori. Okay. Uh, because I was like, it's so funny how many of the predictions I idly made the week before – seem like they're coming true and then were subverted like john taking up this shamanistic palmistry type work mm-hmm. and then you find out that it's some kind of um scam uh the same thing that yeah. he accused uh was it isaac mm-hmm. the 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 year before yeah of doing he's actually isaiah? doing i don't think it's isaiah that'd be but whatever um the other guy that he confronted and ran yeah, out of i can't town. remember his name um you know, I, I just wondered, uh, like, and I'm just like, oh, this is kind of interesting, and oh, it's in a scam, and then you realize, it's yes, it's a scam, but it's the kind of scam that Lori was trying to run before, where she was mm-hmm. using her son to be a Holy Wayne acolyte to just make people feel better. Yeah, like it's it's um, it's like I, I guess psych or uh, psychological placebos that you're offering them. Yeah, essentially, and which is why they're charging money because you know people don't value things that are free, so yeah. they pay for it and they, they get they they get this weight and then uh, they shred the money just so I guess they can cling to the altruism, right? So they can feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I never know how to feel about. You know, it's it's like what is what is better is is a comfortable lie better than an uncomfortable truth? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I guess it just depends. If people can't get beyond uh, a life any other way, then then maybe maybe you do need something like this to happen to you. I don't know. It's just always weird because they're not consenting to right. be lied to. Yeah. So well, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how I feel about it. It's it seems uh, <laughs> kind of shady to me. I understand their motivations. I just don't. I don't. That's not something I would choose to do. Were you surprised that John has, even though he's willfully engaging in this deceitful behavior around this this the spiritual woo woo stuff, that he is nevertheless a sincere apostle of Kevin? Yeah, and he believes that his daughter's coming back, and um, yeah, he he definitely. Well, I I don't know what his belief is at the moment. Like, where does he I don't come down he on it? Because yeah, I don't think he does either. He's just kind of like, this all has to mean something. It's just too bizarre and weird. Right. Um, so I, he's clearly come from being a complete skeptic like he was in season two mm-hmm. to believing that something is going on. He right. just doesn't understand it, um, right. which I don't either. None of yeah. us do. Um, but the fact that he's kind of like one of these 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 apostles or disciples, um, it's interesting because you you got John – who's one of the gospel writers. You got Matthew, one of the gospel writers. But then you've got Michael. Okay. Uh Michael doesn't fit in that pattern. We need we need a Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh we need a Mark. Mm-hmm. We don't need a Michael. Uh now Michael is also a Hebrew name that means, you know, who is like God. And anytime you hear an L or a or a, a Jah, um that's 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 a clue that's probably a Hebrew word and it has something to do with God, like Daniel, uh Michael 
uh, that that kind of thing. Um, I and and I, I but I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I was telling you it's there. Okay. Um, and I don't even the only the only role I know of a biblical Michael is the archangel Michael. Mm. Um, but I don't I can't see how this guy would fit that and fit in that role uh, yeah. either. So. No, I mean, he seems to be out there as the John the Baptist figure, honestly. Like, he's the one doing all the baptisms. Yeah. Uh, baptizing of Jesus. It, Do you think that that's part of the interesting thing that maybe um, they're definitely using these as an allusions to the apostles? But, you know, um, of course, John the Apostle did not was not John the Baptist but the baptized Jesus either. Okay, okay yeah. So that's there's true. a little bit of recycling those names in the Bible yeah. as well. Um, but now, I, I thought it was interesting that they... They, they took that those name and associations and kind of mixed them up. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is, um, so John is saying, like, he's rejecting this uh, this dental record evidence of his daughter's death. And I thought, I thought it was such a great, I laughed, but it's also a great line where he's like, what am I supposed to do? Believe that my daughter's dead just because there's dead. And Kevin's like, y- y- yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, he when, is when you're the confront- purveyor of truth when and you, honesty. When you're confronted with evidence, you are supposed to change your mind. Yeah. Um, but that's not what the Millerites did, and that's not what the Guilty Remnant did, and that's that's not yeah. what John, because he can't. And he's taken it to such an extreme that you notice that he's adopted Evie's eyewear. I mean, clearly not I mean, her actual glasses, because I'm sure those are vaporized in the blast. Okay. Also, John Lennon did, too. Here's the other point. <laughs> Um, I don't want to theorize. I just want to put this out here. Uh, how do you do dental records on a face that ate a Hellfire missile? Maybe it, it hit behind her. I mean, I just, <laughs> it just that was a, such yeah. an awesome shot of the rocket slowly coming in. in the reflection. Yeah. Um, that was such a great. But but I also think like, man, how would you go through the dental records? I almost wonder if there isn't. Like I, Evie could very well be dead. Meg could very well be dead. But yeah. I wouldn't put it past the government to just make shit up too, because I don't yeah. know that those records would be recoverable if 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 the Hellfire missile hit her right in right in the 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 the, the gobber. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, that's the other thing about this is. Okay, so so Kevin is the guy who calls bullshit on everything. He has been even for a his while own self. Now. He's completely himself, I, but but on John, on dog shooter, like everybody. But to some level, he it's all an act, right? Because a man who doesn't buy into any of this yeah. wouldn't jump into a lake that's possibly acid. Wouldn't I? Don't know if this is a yeah. daily ritual. They kind of hint that it is. I think so. This would be a nice parallel to Nora's hiring prostitutes to shoot her. But, yeah, where he can actually kill himself. Yeah, and and, and by the back. way, um, so do you think that he takes this to completion? That he actually dies? I think so. So so is he? Re- are we going to find out that he's regularly visiting the hotel? Oh, maybe he or, does this for some this, reason. Because the other, other thing than... is, one of his first attempts to kill Patty was strangling her with a plastic bag. Uh-huh. In fact, a dry cleaning bag. Okay, and yep. the. The, uh, by the way, the imagery of Justin Thoreau tying his bag on his face and doing the breathing, like, it was fucking wild. Yeah. Like, that's this is one of the reasons, because it's just like, you know, I, I've seen a human being being stoned. I've seen someone suffocate themselves. To the dra- and it's just, there's something horrific, but kind of also awesome and beautiful about that picture. <laughs> okay. To you get some, it? sure. It's no. kind of like, like you know, if you see a, a, an oak tree covered in ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like it looks like it's just covered in dye. I cut. The, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little too arty farty here. Um, but I, I, I don't. How can he say 
you guys are all crazy and you guys are assigning these things. And then when Michael says, I you drank poison and I buried you, he's like, you told everybody that? Like, he's compartmentalizing all this stuff in his own mind. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder why he is killing himself every day. What what I think is killing himself every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder because, if he's not trying to escape, much like right. uh, who said that? Oh, uh, Lori. Um, she you, she was talking about this guy who his father just wanted to escape, and I birthday. think that's what Kevin is doing. You know, they're right. trying to say, look, Kevin may appear calm and cool on the outside, but right. he is fucked up. He is broken. Yeah, not as bad as he was, maybe. It hasn't gotten to the point where he's actually having a split psyche. He's still waking up in his bed. I mean, if you're and... killing yourself every morning with but, potentially the hope that you that so this will be the time. We don't know that he's actually... He, it could be that as he's blacking out, he rips a hole. Like, like that's how people... Sure, sure. David Carradine died like that. You know, autoerotic yeah. fixation, taking just a little nudge too One far. mistake, yeah. That is the first it. time he tried that. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's like, I wouldn't say that David Carradine was killing himself for every day. If I were going to try it, I would want to be an expert in it first, so I would never <laughs> try it, right? Well, yeah, you, you don't... You, ever, you don't you know, go solo, no, you don't want to make yeah, that mistake. Yeah, you, but but you know that's that's a, that's a tough one to go on Tinder uh, <laughs> right. and, and get a swipe right on. Hey, I want a want auto erotic asphyxiation, buddy. Uh huh. Um, or maybe it's mutual erotic asphyxiation. Uh, but I think he's searching for the way out. Well, that's so that's one interpretation. The other one that I, that's the reason I brought up Patty is this could be some kind of guilt and trying to he he like somehow misses. His relationship with her and mm-hmm. the guilt that he felt over his uh, complicity in her actual death and her metaphoric death, that he's trying to relive that, too, somehow. It could even be like a cleansing ritual, you yeah. know? He goes yeah. to the hotel just so he can make sure Patty's not there. Right. Um, and or maybe that, that helps it, it, him it, it, get it, him through the day. It could be that makes him come super hard. That, too, yeah. Uh, did, you, <laughs> yeah. did you notice the, uh, the bullet wound on the, his back? Uh, I saw it on Reddit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I saw that and I thought, like, me and Cecily were like, oh, her and Nora got rough with him that night. But no, it's it's actually the exit wound. She shot him. <laughs> well, she's capable of anything. Uh, uh, the other thing that's happening here between Kevin and John before we move on. Okay. Is Kevin straight up lying to him? Like, this story is a fabrication. We know what happened. She got hit by a drone strike. Uh, he's they lying. Hint that Kevin knows about it, too, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. Um, but it, it does put a different spin on it when he's like, what am I supposed to believe? Though? And, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you're supposed to. We're all supposed to believe the official record. What the hell? Why are you yeah. fucking with this? But he's lying to him. Right. Like, I mean, Kevin was in that town at the time that it happened. Yeah. I I got to believe. I mean, it was broad daylight, right? Mm-hmm. You see a plane go over. Wind. You Plus, see fire from the sky. You're going to. Yeah. Know. A lot of people saw that drone. A lot of people saw that yeah. missile. A lot of the. Did you notice the first responders were screaming? We got to get out. Like, yeah. like there was an alert that you got to you got to go. Yeah. So there's some kind of there's some kind of cover up that Kevin is just buying into and encouraging others to as well. How was John not part of that? The, John didn't get his his memo. He was the he was at the fire department, right? What do you mean get his memo? I mean he didn't get the memo to get the fuck out of there because well, there's a drone strike I mean, coming. I wasn't he? Where was he at this time? I forget where he was. He was yeah. at the bridge. He got hit in the head with something, and then uh, okay, maybe he was like at the hospital. Right. I don't know. Right. Um. So yeah, uh, the other thing about I want to talk about this before we move on is um, what do you think? What do you think Michael was doing at the computer that Kevin caught him in? Not, some people asserted that he was doing research on Mapleton, which could be okay. that he's doing some, some background they... research on Kevin for the book. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly it was book stuff. I don't okay. know that it matters like what web page he was on. Well, the only thing I thought was because I, I, my first thought was, oh, he's got like some kind of document that he's he's transcribing Matt's Matt's words. So okay. Matt thinks he's got the only handwritten copy. Yeah, but Michael so. being prudent is is describe mm-hmm. who's taking down all all these words and even if Kevin. So I don't know what Kevin does at the barbecue. Uh, they intentionally leave that as a minor cliffhanger, but I think it's highly likely that Michael, if the book gets destroyed. Uh, that Michael's going to have a copy of it. What What is the purpose of uh, writing this thing by hand? If I'm Matt, I think it's closer to the way the old school did it. Yeah. Like, you know. He can pass this off as some legitimate gospel because it's yeah. in this nice leather-bound exactly. book. Yeah, it's got parts As opposed to, yeah. here's a Word doc that yeah. we got. Yeah, here's a, I got a Google doc. Yeah, no religions are founded on Google Docs. Right, I can Google, tell you that the Google Doc of Kevin. <laughs> right. Uh, the other thing we didn't talk about is uh, Nora. Well, oh, Nora has a cast. Mm-hmm. We saw in a lot of the preview trailers that her and Erica are bouncing on a trampoline. Okay. Is it possible that she broke her arm? In the common backyard hazard known as the American trampoline, very possible. I mean, yeah. those things are dangerous. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering also, like some of these things that we view as sinister. Maybe like Erica took Lily on a mini vacation while Nora broke her arm and was tra- traveling with the DSD mm-hmm. to like you just give her like like and, and people are just asking like, are you okay? Just like, are you missing your child or whatever? I, right? Because because it doesn't feel like Lily's dead. No, like, like, like the emotional so. tone would be different if Lily was dead. And it also yeah. seems very unlikely that Holy Wayne's baby mama came back to file a maternity suit against the Garveys. Maybe Holy Wayne himself came back. <laughs> sure, sure. Never know. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Lily's dead. I think Lily is yeah. gone somewhere. I don't know if she went with Erica. I don't know if she was taken away for some reason. Right. If maybe one of the the Burning Man people got her. Right. Just drug her off. Right. Do you think there's anything to um, Tommy's surprise birthday party? What do you mean, anything to it? Uh, so in the song that they begin with the Millerites doing their stuff, they're talking about um, – this is, this is a quote from the Bible about how the end days will be like the flood, whereas people were feasting and they were marrying and they were having a good time and no one knew that there was a disaster going along except for the father. In fact – no one knows the exact arrival except for the father, which highlights the futility of the Millerites and other people that tried to divine some prophecy in the Bible. Like, look, man, right. if if Jesus doesn't know, if the Holy Spirit doesn't know, if the host of angels doesn't know, there's no fucking way your monkey yeah. ass is going to go through the Bible and figure it out. Uh-huh. All right? Like, that just seems almost blasphemous on the face of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this idea that, like, you've got this surprise, it's almost like... Um, to the extent that Kevin is a Jesus metaphor, um, he's throwing this this surprise for somebody, and everybody it's an open secret. Everybody knows it. Is there, like, a wink and a nudge towards that concept that, like, maybe God's just fooling himself? He's got this secret plan, and but everybody in heaven, like, you know, they're just like, oh, we're, we're, we're playing along with the old man because yeah, maybe. we don't want to embarrass him. I mean, I think Tommy's birthday is tied into um, what, what – uh... Lori says about this guy's father killing himself because he kills himself on the that guy's birthday, right? Mm. And then we see, okay, it's Tommy's birthday. The next morning, Kevin presumably kills himself. Right, and um, if he does this every day, he presumably killed himself the day before. 
Right. And and I think it's just trying to tie in that idea of Kevin is looking for an escape. But uh, the other thing is I don't really know where Tommy's at right now. Right. He seems to just be, you know, getting along. Right. The one thing that I did notice is, judging by the candles, Tommy is seven years old. Seven years? Oh, okay. There's seven candles. I mean, At some point, don't you give up? Like, you know, no one's going to put 40 with, fucking yeah. candles on my birthday cake. Definitely not. But, you know, you go back to what Matt was talking about with this uh, seven years and oh, seven shit. everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Tommy's got seven candles on his cake. I, is that prophetic? Fuck me. I don't know. But All right, well, there so were seven talk about, of them. So let's talk about that. There's a lot of um, commonly accepted prophetic meanings and, and symbolisms in the Bible. One of them is the yeah. number seven is said to represent something that's complete from a holier divine perspective. God created the world in seven days. Um, for example, um, also contrast that with the sign of the, the, the beast, the mark of the beast, which is six, 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 six is a sign of a human incompletion and times it by, you know, six, six, six just shows how grossly inhuman or, or human this, this beast is more sixes. You got the worst. It, the oh worst yeah. It is. Yeah. Like they didn't have floating point math or he probably yeah. signed to be six point six, 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 six. And we'd, six we'd, we'd be super fucked. But, uh, mm-hmm. I want to read you a description out of revelation six, one about this is the, uh, the vision that begins about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, so, so I looked and I saw a white horse and his rider had a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out to conquer and defeat. Not to put too fine a point on it. Now, the other thing is there's lots of interpretations of this. Some people say this represents Jesus riding triumphantly before the Great Tribulation or Armageddon. Some okay. people say it's the Antichrist. Some people say it's disease or pestilence. But point of fact, uh, in this particular show, uh, it seems like Kevin is being seen as some kind of messianic figure. Mm-hmm. And he rode a white horse. And he wore. A, he was given a golden crown, yep. which he wore. I'm not making any predictions. I'm not saying he's Jesus, but the beard looks good on him. I'm, exactly. I'm not <laughs> going to make any predictions. I'm just. I'm just letting you know some of the things they're playing at. Also, I yeah. mentioned um, about the biblical story of Jesus and during his baptism, mm-hmm. when the heavens were opened up to him, when he became aware of his prehuman existence, and when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, which took the form of a white dove. Yeah. This episode, Kevin got sham baptized i guess Mm -hmm. and uh at the end of the he's he's presented with a book of knowledge that he may or may not read at the same time doves are swirling over his head (laughs) right i'm again i'm just telling you the end of it i mean oh yeah yeah this song that they're playing this uh gospel song Mm -hmm. that plays multiple times during the episode i mean some of the lyrics are dead on with kevin like um one of the lyrics is loose horse in the valley tell me who gonna ride him and jesus gonna ride him Nora says, I, I think you just like riding that horse. Yep. Uh, or everybody thinks you just like riding the horse. Like, there's so much wrapped up here with Kevin and Jesus and all this symbolism that, you know, it it makes you question where they're going with it. And it, it makes the episode feel like a just a nice, tight package, right? Right. Like, all of this symbolism ties together in a way that isn't, like, concrete plot-wise, but it makes it feel cohesive. Yeah, and it also gives us something on the internet to do. Sure. While, while yeah. Lindelof is, it's the sleight of hand that he uses why, to get us running off in this direction. Oh, four horsemen right. of the apocalypse. Who's the other three horsemen? Why he's doing something else? Yeah. While he's flooding Australia. Um, so the other thing I guess I wanted to talk about was: what, is there anything about um, the, the a little bit of backstory we got from Kevin? When he was twenty five, he met Lori when she slammed into his police car because they both thought they had the green. And he went back to hmm. check to see if Tommy's okay, and this this little two year old boy is sitting and smiling at him, and he marries Lori and then adopts 
Kevin, or I'm sorry, adopts Tommy. Yeah. Um, the the thing that was weird about that scene to me is when he mentions, oh, yeah, it must have been divine intervention or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Matt looks at him like he has just said something yeah. either <laughs> extremely important to Matt or extremely offensive to Matt. And I don't know which one it is. I think it's important because... You just Matt's not playing it cool, but like when the so so you're talking about this open conspiracy of John, Michael, and Matthew that are recording a, a gospel about this band. They're all on the porch here, and and I think back to like um, you know, there's a lot of these stories in the Bible about young Jesus, like you know mm-hmm. he got lost one time when his family is celebrating a Jewish festival, and and they looked for him for days and days, and they found his twelve year old Jesus, and he was he was uh, teaching Schooling the fools. Pharisees and the Sadducees in the temple, and they're like. What the hell's wrong with you, boy? Why'd you running off? He's like, why did you think you'd find me in any other place but by the house of my father, yo? <laughs> right. Um, I, I'm thinking about, like, they're just hanging on his every word, like, for, yeah. for new fodder. That's that's a good point. Because, like, yeah. everybody's like, you know, like, presumably Jesus is a real man. He's a 12-year-old boy. He's not he's not doing things like check off boxes of prophecy. He's just, mm-hmm. he's just, he's just doing the thing, and then people are, like, writing stuff down. Yeah. It's kind of amazing there's not more written about the young Jesus when you come to think about it. Yeah, well, he wasn't really important until he hit his thirties. Right, right. He hit a stride. Hit a stride late. Yeah. Um, what else do we want to uh, talk about? I'm curious about the the pigeons. What what's being done here with Nora at the end, as as compared to the prophetic pigeons at the beginning with the Millerites? I don't know. Not, not, here's why I don't do theories because there is a popular theory going around that this suggests that Nora is living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where there's no electricity or communications <laughs> and if people reverted back to carrier pigeon oh, and i'm like whoa pump the brakes kid yeah. uh don't know about all that <laughs> uh-huh but yeah I, I i i don't know i mean clearly it means something people are trying yeah. to freeze frame to read the messages yeah, I and tried I that thought, too. I couldn't read the handwriting. Right, and but I thought it was noteworthy that Nora didn't give a shit about anything. Like she pu- purposefully wasn't reading any of these things. It's it's almost like they're sending these out, and mm-hmm. whenever they come back in, it's Nora's job to discard the old messages and hand them back over to this sister, this nun, right. so that she can load them back up and send them back out. Right. It's kind of the the feeling I got from it, but I don't know what's in them or why they're sending them or. Anything. Oh, one thing I just want to point out that I forgot to mention when we we're discussing uh, Kevin is ritual suicide. The, the really interesting thing about him putting the bag over his head makes me lean towards him trying to get back to the hotel is Simon and Gar- Garfunkel feeling groovy is in the background. <laughs> okay. Which contrasts, of course, Simon and Garfunkel homeward bound, which he had to sing to get back out of the hotel. Yeah. So I feel like that they are very intentionally trying to draw some, some thematic connections there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about the pigeons, real quick, okay, is this: this sister says we don't usually get so many close, so close together. Love is in the air, uh-huh. which I think is our only indication as to what may be going on here. But I don't know how to decipher that. I thought it was a nod to the, maybe they're not actually pigeons; maybe they're doves, doves or yeah. lovebirds, as they're called. Yeah, and there's a, an extraordinary quantity of them. I mean, the other thing, if you want to get, could you want to? I just this just came to me is. 
one of the things Noah did at after the flood was over, because after it rains 40 days and 40 nights, right. there's still a shitload of water on the earth. Thought about that, too. And he's yeah. just sitting in the middle of an ocean that they'd mm-hmm. never seen before. And he, uh, at the end of these 40 days, he started sending out doves. Mm-hmm. And they'd always come back. They'd always come back. And then I forget how many days one of them came back with an olive branch. And he's like, ah, there must be dry land nearby. Yeah. And then they crash on Mount Sinai or some shit. <laughs> um, but that's the thing I was thinking of, too, is like maybe this is supposed to tie into the antediluvian uh, period um, that did, like this yeah. is a post flood and there's some kind of imagery with those doves coming back and there's a bunch of them and that's significant but I, I I'm just pointing it out don't have any theories yeah I suppose I guess it, it it depends on what you think happens or doesn't happen 14 or 13 days from now right right because that's one thing we didn't talk about um, with Matt is he's confronted with this flyer with the address of his church on it and he says I I don't know anything about that, and I believe him. Uh, I don't think Matt would lie to Kevin about no, something like that. I, I don't because Kevin's so. not even going to bust us, but he's just like, yeah. look, I know this is you. Stop it. That was all. That was as far as it's going to go. Yeah, and he said, "That's not me, Michael. John, what's going on? Yeah, one of his. I, I mean, Matt. Matt clearly has a a large number of followers. Yeah, that might take initiative. Like you know, Matt wasn't the one that threw a stone into the. What are you going to call these red shirted fellows? Protesters. I mean, that's what they are. Yeah, but they all got pictures of Evie. Yeah, Shea Evira acolytes. But but you know, he's not the one that threw the first brick in their some their faces. So they got yeah. they got they got men and women of action in this group. I, I wonder if someone is taking it upon themselves. And I don't know. They've also got that dude on the column. Yeah, that seems like if he doesn't contribute to the story, that will be a very that will be something that always kind of sticks in my craw about the leftovers. Mm-hmm. They've also got Gary Busey. They also got Gary Busey. <laughs> Which, Delighted. They, they mentioned in season one that he was te- he was departing, right? They did. They, yeah. they rattled off like you know names here and there, but no, it was that that was that was really funny. Uh, th- this flyer thing got me thinking about the GR, um, I, and I'm trying to figure out what their status is. I don't think there's any information in here other than they're potentially at war with the government or. You know, maybe they smoothed it over after. They were just like, look, they, they they got out their giant Pictionary tablets, and they wrote these big, long paragraphs that said, we had nothing to do with this. Right. We disavowed Meg. She, we knew she was a problem. We tried to tell her. Right. Uh, but and then, maybe the government yeah. backs off. Or, potentially, they've been eliminated, or they're still at war. We just well, don't really know. It's funny, because with the protesters, I thought they were trying to draw these obvious, like, Branch Davidian, Waco, Texas hmm. um, illusions. If you didn't know that they, this David Koresh fellow started this sect, right, his compound, and there's a standoff between the FBI and ATF, who were roundly criticized for, you know, going in guns blazing, ends up a lot of men, women, and children died probably needlessly and a lot that that you know that and ruby ridge kind of galvanize some right and left-wing elements in our country um that the worried about government overreach and a lot of the same language they were using uh reminded me of that and in that case the branch davidians like i'm pretty sure they're wiped out there is no (laughs) traces left um and also i think back of remember when kevin contacted the government agency and like this guy's like just like really harried. He's just kind of concerned about his lo- the local goings on the GR. And the guy's like, "Do you want us to roll in there and like fucking kick their shit in and bust heads?" And Kevin's mm-hmm. like, "I n- no, because my wife's one of them." And I, I felt like the government was kind of looking for a reason to do something like this. Yeah, and they did it with Holy Wayne's 
um, compound. And so, also, like, you know, even if the other guilty remnant didn't have anything to do necessarily, we know they knew about it. Right. And I think that would come out in an investigation. So, like, I think that's enough for the government of this world to be like, you know what, bullshit, and, then, and either imprison, disband, or execute everybody that's still associated with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out more about that. I do, and I don't know what's going to be flashbacks. I don't know if there's – I mean, it's it, – it would seem weird to me if there's just no guilty remnant. I mean, there's got to be a, a couple, right? Or at least a reference that tells us the status of them. Because you martyr yeah. that many people, yeah. like that's does like there, there'll be enough crazy people there to pick up the torch. And if in fact that's Meg's point, that has to have consequences. Sure. Three years later, otherwise sure. it feels like a loose end, or or just like a completely failed plan on Meg's part. It's but so I want to know that it's a completely failed plan. Maybe it's just nihilist because the way she explained this to Evie with the Sigfield Sigmund, what is it? Uh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. Thank you. Not not a aficionado of their work. Uh, <laughs> but she is, made it seem like it's just a game. Yeah. Like these people were just entertainers and they were just fucking around with dangerous things, and they should have known. And, and so that implies that she knew what mm. was going to happen, and she was just waiting for it. So yeah, how I mean, that fits in with her grand plan, I don't know. So at the very least, I mean, maybe this is just, you know, the price that she pays to get blown up. Um, but at the very least, she opened the gates to Miracle, to Jarden, right? Mm-hmm. Now everyone is allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no more wristbands. Right. So maybe that was her only intention, is to make sure that this tragedy touches everyone. Yeah. Not just... Or maybe to demystify Jarden a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, you know, if this if this terrible thing can happen, look how many people died in Jarden. Yeah. And this is a woman, this is a this is one of those girls uh drank from the water, bathed in the water, mm-hmm. was of the community, and she died. Like it can happen. Maybe that's the only point she was trying to prove. Yeah. Like Could like be. people were were taking comfort from this place and she removed that security blanket. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing I want to talk about with biblical symbolism, and I might be done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> at the very end, where Nora uh, is is evading the nuns' questioning, mm-hmm. she says, "Does does Kevin mean anything?" She's she's called Sarah, which is another biblical name. And if you don't know, Sarah was Abraham's wife. Abraham, of course, is the progenitor of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Uh, he gave birth to Isaac, who then gave birth to um, shit. Was a Jacob, who later became Israel, which founded the, that the whole thing um yeah. but she, her name was changed to sarah after she bore like in a very that was the miraculous thing that abraham and her were both like 80 90 years old and she had not bore him a child and the lord blessed her womb and she conceived the child and she's 90 and her she was renamed sarah to reflect okay. that um and there is talk in this episode about potential babies with kevin and nora it's mentioned or hinted at or yeah not being it's in the air existing it's right in, now it's but in yeah the, it's in the the leftover zeitgeist love is in the air as, love as is the in the air so says. again I, i'm not going to theorize i'm just i'm just going to say that what that might be a thing that they're they're pointing out <laughs> okay uh, it's not a theory it's just not a, a theory thing that might be true there's <laughs> something i want to point this is it's absolutely a true thing that i don't know what its significance is but i'm you know if you're playing along uh at home and you've got bingo then congratulations uh, so one other thing before we get to feedback, I want to talk about something they're doing, which is kind of a departure from the first two seasons uh, that they're going to be doing throughout this season, which is they're changing up the intro. There's not an actual intro, according to 
I think this was Mimi Letter in the... Well, wait a second, because the I thought this was just the same as last year, where there was no intro for the first episode, and then they, they had the Let the no. Mystery Be. No, according to... I, I think it was Mimi Letter who said this to Variety, that it, it might have been Lindelof, but um, they're going to be doing kind of different songs over images and other stuff. It's not going to be like, okay, here's our set intro, you know, with that, that bluegrass country kind of song they had last time, or uh-huh. the the dirge essentially uh-huh, that they right. had in season one um it's going to be different every time hmm. so and they're going to use different songs every time or or not maybe not every time but most of the time so are you saying that we're going to get a miller-esque intro with a different the, pop they folk song they didn't or? say that they said they were going to be using sort of different vignettes not not a set intro huh all right i mean i dig it yeah I, I don't know how that will play out exactly. Um, like, I don't need a two-minute theme song, and if they're going to do something no. different every week, I'm actually kind of in, for, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Yeah, I think that's good. It's a, It feels more like it's just part of the show as opposed to a thing I need to sit through for the tenth time. Right, right. So, I don't know. Um, apparently, in this one, it was you know the, the standard leftovers theme with this woman walking into the church after being disappointed mm-hmm. and laying down. Mm. Um, it's going to be stuff like that. Okay. Speaking of standard leftovers theme, what did you think about the ending? Where Nora, the other thing I want to talk about is, I guess Nora riding a bicycle was foreshadowed a little bit with her riding her bicycle away from Kevin. Yeah, when he was watching her go. Which, by the way, those two are good-looking people. Sure are. <laughs> yeah, Justin Thoreau. Like now he's got a beard. I feel like he's my ideal <laughs> the version man. of masculinity. Right. Like it's fucking ridiculous how jacked and 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 also just how how, how good how good like yeah, does Mimi Leader just be like all right, Justin, put the bag on your head now take a couple breaths. Like I mean, he's just so good at all this thing. He's good at being yeah. like flat footed, perplexed. He's good at being angry. He's good at being sad. He's just like I. Yeah, all all the actors in this are just brilliant. I don't know. I mean, him and John Hamm need to get together and figure out what they're going to do post their su- successful <laughs> TV careers. Because damn, damn, it's yeah. a waste for them not to do anything. Um, and then Carrie Coon riding away in those uh, those tights, not bad. Yeah, no, she's gotta a, say, I'm not excited. bad. That is a good looking. Couple, sure. I is. think they should have all the babies. All right, um, they might have at least one. Yeah, if our theories are true, but are, are not theories. Right, 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 right. But yeah, they had the, uh, they had the. Uh, I don't know why they did that. I don't know what's significant about her riding a bicycle and then riding a post-apocalyptic dove train bicycle. I think they do these things just to make the episodes feel tight. Feel it does feel good. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like everything is connected. And you know, that's the thing. Like, I'm surprised how good I felt in this episode because, like. You know, the chief goes to investigate, and it's it's Tommy, mm-hmm. and Tommy looks happy, and he's with his dad, like Kevin, and his, and the, you know, there's another like you know arc, you know, it's, it's, it's very type anti type, you know, that Kevin working with his father, Kevin, uh, as a police chief and the, the you know deputy, and now yeah. Kevin with his son is doing that. You know, that didn't end well for Kevin Senior and Kevin Junior. We'll see if it wor- works better with Kevin Junior and, and and Tommy, but. Uh-huh. Um, and it was good to see, like, I was surprised at how excited I was to see John and uh, Lori together and happy, and everyone happy for them. Yeah. And, like, Tommy was so cool to Michael. Like, you know, I've always wanted a little brother. And, like, they felt like a really big, like, unconventional, but welded together out of this these post-apocalyptic parts family. And I, I 
Um, everything felt really good, even when there's some mm-hmm. surprises and curveballs. Nothing felt unfair. Like where the hell did that come from? Right. Uh, what else do we What else do we want to talk about? I think that's all I've got. Well, I do have some spoilers. We talked about that we're going to do that at the end of the podcast because I know um, there are some fragments from a Mimi Letter interview where maybe she let slip more than she wanted to. There are some significant episode titles. Uh, there are some scenes from this season on, and I know a lot of people don't want any of that shit. We're going to put it after the feedback so you don't have to worry about accidentally hearing it. Um, but I think we're ready to get into feedback. Yes? Yeah. Hey, before we get to feedback, I want to try to pay the bills by enticing you with Club Bald Move. You can go to club.baldmove.com and sign up for a free trial. You get 30 days free. Your first 30 days free, no obligation. Um, and why you should do that? Well, we do a lot of podcasts. Right now we're doing Better Call Saul, Fargo, and The Leftovers all simultaneously. And the only way we could do some of these smaller, more boutique shows, uh, and as many of them as we do, is worth uh, g- uh, generous listener support. And primarily that's through the club. Uh, of course, you get a lot more at that. You get ad-free feeds. You get a lot of special features. Um, but the primary benefit is the fact that you're supporting us and, al- and enable us to do these podcasts. So if you enjoy, if, if Bald Move is part of your daily commute or you, you listen to us year-round, or you appreciate the work that we do on these independent podcasts, we really could use your support at club.baldmove.com. Check it out for all the features that you're signing up for, and know that you have our gratitude uh, for your support. All right, first up, uh, Australian Dave McBride. Seems fitting that he ushers in the new season of Feedback. Mm-hmm. says, I'm very looking forward to a show being back, but because I live in Melbourne, it's awesome seeing it in as a, a big show like The Leftovers. I have some points about Melbourne that might help you out. First, it's pronounced Melbourne, not Melbourne like most Americans pronounce it. Um, okay, I didn't know that. I'm glad you set me straight. I probably go back to pronouncing it Melbourne next <laughs> next week because I live in a state that calls Versailles Versailles mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of uh, all kinds of crazy shit. What is the other one that's like just obviously wrong? Versailles is the one that always bugged me. It's like it's for sales. It's right next to a town called Napoleon, and no one calls it Napoleon, you fucking hicks. <laughs> anyway, uh, we drive on the left-hand side of the road here. The driver sits on the right. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if that'll come in handy in the leftovers. Uh, our money looks terrible. I don't know what they're going to show it, but it's ugly and plastic. They've shown it. Well, have they? Yeah, Because there's they a have. lot of people debating about this whether— This is foolish. This is foolish. I don't even want to talk about this. I posted a screenshot, and if you go to the Reddit thread okay. and say what it, and look up what this woman hands Nora, people were speculating it's fucking dog collars, and they're lunatics. It, they're speculating off of one screenshot, and I posted another screenshot that completely shows that it is like a blue tinted. Are you fighting wad of bills? I mean, it's a fact. Okay, it's a so fact. It's a blue tinted wad. Okay, because I yeah. I thought it did look like a bundle of paper. I thought. It was kind of to suggest that maybe it's not—it's a currency out of time. That maybe you're not supposed to understand what right. country or what decade it is. I don't but know it that it's top. Australian bills. Okay. I don't know what it is, but it's clearly bills with somebody's face on them. Right. It's funny because he says it because I, I've seen their plastic money and it doesn't look like American dollars or what people associate with money. But I also think it looks kind of next generation. Oh, next generation yeah. didn't have money. They got they're, they're getting paid with ice linear chips and gold pressed <laughs> latinum in Australia, and I think it's cool. Yeah, the way of the on. future. Uh, the show wasn't only filmed in, in Melbourne, but it was also filmed in Geelong, which is pronounced Geelong. He hopefully it's it's spelled Geelong and pronounced Geelong. I had no problems with that. <laughs> which is about eighty kilometers or fifty miles south of Melbourne, and is Victoria's second biggest city at around two hundred thousand people. 
Um, and also the, the question that I directly asked in the preview cast, Aboriginal culture is one of the oldest cultures in the world, being over 50,000 years old, and some think up to 60,000. There are Whoa. over 200 Aboriginal languages and nations. We are now, even now as Australians, learning more and more about their culture, but it's something uh, their ancestors tried to eradicate, which is horrible that we were committing state-sanctioned genocide up until fairly modern days. Like, that was still yeah. going through the 70s and 80s. Yep. Um, which is kind of tragic because you think about, like, you think about the concept of Australia, this mega continent that's isolated, and you had this this culture that was, that was so ancient and old and how much we could have learned from it if mm. we didn't come over there as pig-headed Europeans. But yep. ship sailed on that. I'm, I'm, I'm an American. I, 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 we haven't exactly covered ourselves in glory over here. Um, but I, I, that's because I was I was wanting to know whether the the, the obviously Aboriginal Australians we see uh, were a flashback and like how far it flashback and yeah. how much stasis because like even if it's a fifty thousand year old culture, are you telling me that they dressed identically? Like there's no right. drift at all. I don't know what is this Westeros. KCW, I have a question for you. Maybe I mis- misunderstood the discussion during your preview post. But Aaron seemed quite surprised and or skeptical that Jim is open to the supernatural angles being depicted in the show. At this point, what's your argument that something supernatural is not the cause of the events? <laughs> Kevin has, after all, died three times and have gone to some sort of hotel purgatory. Well, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know that he's died. And that's the thing, because, like, some of this stuff is, ex- is meta information. Because Lindelof was yeah. going in an interview, and he was saying that we did a lot of research to find out how long a person can survive underground under certain conditions and not die. Where can mm-hmm. a person be shot and plausibly miss everything and maybe be very bloody, but they would actually survive? Um, specifically to make it ambiguous. Specifically, because yeah. that's the thing that this thing that this thing walks like. It's very understandable mm-hmm. that these people are seeing these very coincidental things and saying it's supernatural. And in fact, it might be. Uh, more to the point. She's also, I think, uh, saying, uh, or maybe he, Casey's ambiguous. The The whole show begins with the great departure or sudden departure. Mm-hmm. But I also think, like, can you really describe that as, I mean, it's obviously the literal definition of supernatural. It's outside under, understanding of the natural world. But that doesn't yeah. mean that there's not an explanation that's not supernatural. Oh, it just sure, means yeah. we don't know what that could be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an event that, yeah, I, supernatural is such a weird word because if something happens, it's by definition natural at that point, right? Yes. If something happens in nature, then it's natural. I mean, I, I, see, I, I, I take it to like you have to have an explanation for it. Right. It's still supernatural. You until label you it can, supernatural until you understand. Like a UFO. It. Yeah. UFO sure. does not mean a spaceship. Right. It means it's an unidentified flying object. Right. So this whole fucking show, in my mind, is still a UFO. And I admire the fact that they're able to walk that line. Now, I understand it's going to be very frustrating for a lot of people yeah. if I continue to cling to this skepticism. But I feel like that's – the show's inviting it. It's a perfectly – Oh, lot, yeah. Oh, and, and I actually think it's more interesting because if you just grant that Kevin didn't die or he had a near-death experience, then mm-hmm. all that stuff in the hotel right. is just his brain working out what the fuck's going on and yeah. you know, going through a, a, some death throes. And, like, there's all kinds of people. Like, like people – there are hundreds of examples of people who have medically been de- been dead and been brought back, and a lot of them say they saw a glowing white light that they were compelled to go towards, and they felt universal right. love and peace. Now, I don't think that that's any kind of evidence for heaven because mm. there's a lots of explanations to get there, but 
I, I, if someone went through that experience, I have no problem with them saying they look forward to going back to heaven because that's a real experience that they had. Yeah, and I think if this were, you know, if we were talking about a real world scenario, you know, um, where we're outside of this fictional universe, then I'm a lot more skeptical. Mm. Then it's like I need the hard, the hard evidence to to call that supernatural. But in a fictional universe, I don't see a problem with leaning toward the supernatural. Yeah. Um, because I've certainly seen a lot of things in this show that are, you know, potentially explainable by natural causes, but right. are certainly much more readily explainable by, or not even explainable, much more readily attributed to supernatural causes. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about the music? We got... Uh, okay. And you can edit, I mean, it, you can edit this. You can kind of make a mark if you want to edit this out because... Um, can I just say it's fantastic, but... <laughs> Uh, we'll leave it I there. Got, uh, so no. I, I had a because when I started getting feedback, I, I created a, a, a I created a document that kept track of the yays and nays. And unfortunately, I got no nay, yays and a lot of nays. Nays on what? The music, the new music, the new music for our podcast. Oh, our podcast. Yes. Okay. No, it's fantastic. Okay, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk? I mean, is that is that up for debate? Because we've we've done that before, where we picked out like I remember when we were in transition on our Game of Thrones podcast, I picked out Arya's prayer. Yeah, uh, which was a rap song. People uh, hated that. Well, there was a there the was, vast it was majority. Polarizing. It was certainly polarizing. I think the majority of people hated it. So are myself gonna, included. <laughs> are we going to go with a polarizing uh, a song for outro? Is it something we're going to? Well, here's take the a, thing. Take a page out of Lindelof's leaf and change it up every week. What are we going to do? Here's the thing. I I'm not comfortable using the Wolf Rain or Rain Wolf's. Um, are you satisfied anymore? Sure. Not comfortable with it because it, we don't have permission to use it. Uh, it's technically illegal. Yeah. I don't want to do it. So my brother wrote that piece of music. Um, and you know, I helped him. I, I tried to guide him oh, a little bit. Oh, that's where he went wrong. God I know. Damn. That's, I'm not a musician. I should stop that. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing. Like, I'm not going back to Rainwolf because okay. we can't. Agreed. And I'm... if you want to like offer up some music that, that you've made that we have permission to use, mm-hmm. maybe I'll consider it, but I'm, I'm not going to break copyright law for for a stupid intro to a podcast all right <laughs> anymore bold, done with that bold word you know the guy who did the uh con concerto piano concertos about the leftovers last is he still doing that this year i, didn't I see don't him know post on reddit i didn't either because no. if he did i was thinking like if you know maybe we could reach out and say, hey could you do something inspired by but a little different enough that we didn't get sued i mean it's all right to me and i think it's there's a certainly a fair use argument for this stuff but i understand yeah. I understand your 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 side of it as well, and I also still do it on some shows, but those are legacy things. Like, as much as we can, I'm trying to move us away from using other people's unauthorized music in our product. Okay, moving on, Johnny. Uh, the leftovers has also displaced Breaking Bad as my favorite all time show. A lot would have to happen to ruin this season, but having said that, I put together a little David Letterman esque top five things that could ruin the leftovers. <laughs> okay. Five, all the episodes are narrated by Sarah Cohing, and it's serial meets How I Met Your Mother. That'd be terrible. Wow. And Melbourne, they go to a Drive Shaft concert, and Dominic Monaghan sings You Are You All Everybody. Mm-hmm. Totally ruined. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Garvey has to clear and go, but not go. <laughs> that t- t- totally ruin it. Yeah. Instead of Max Richter's original composition, Pierre- <laughs> player piano radiohead songs are used for dramatic effect. The new and the top reason, the, the top way that the leftovers could be ruined for Johnny 
The new Guilty Remnant bad guys edited together clips of Jude Law smoking in his pipe or his Pope jogging suit with cutaways to handwriting magic marker messages. <laughs> I actually think that would improve it. If they what? if they just took um, so Jude Law and the young Pope, uh-huh. you know he had that awesome white Guilty Remnant tracksuit. Yeah, yeah. If they just without attribution or any kind of rights cut away to him and then they do an inset of someone writing shit on, on on a piece of paper with magic marker like like Jude Jude Law as the tracksuit wearing Pope is now the new leader of the Guilty Remnant I actually think it would make the show better the very end the last shot because I really really enjoyed the young Pope it was we, fun yeah. and by the way we did we did podcasts for that whole thing too earlier this year the other way they could ruin it is if I don't know say an alien ship comes down in the final scenes mm. and takes everyone well, away. that's good because he wanted to know what would ruin it for you yeah i'm not sure and i said that in the preview podcast i'm not sure that that would even ruin it for me the only thing that would i think the the chance of ruining it is to try and explain the departure like i don't i don't think he's going to do that that right i, I if he does that that feels like a betrayal of the face show. then you fucked up lindelof because you right. said all along that's the thing you're not going to do right and if you do it then what are you, you going to what are you going to do um, the thing, the only thing that would ruin for me, and I, I think I said this in a preview podcast, is the other f- season finales would have been such great series finales and mm-hmm. really wrap things up. And yes, you you wanted more, like any good thing, but you didn't. All the base questions and the themes that they meant to explore felt like they were fully explored. The only way that that it can leave a sour taste in my mouth is if the season three finale feels like unfinished business. Yeah. Or is not that great, just emotionally cathartic, satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't judge on this first episode. I, I don't think we're in any danger of that. Maybe if they decided that they were going to shorten the season and only do eight episodes instead of ten. <laughs> yeah, where's our other two episodes? <laughs> HBO. Uh, Steve J. Uh, I think we already talked about this. We talked about because um, he want to know about the entire structure of the show being based off a supernatural event, and here we are still debating supernatural things. Um, so I think we, we talked about that enough. Uh, Texas Sandman wants to know, was Dogcatcher Dean always this insane, or did something snap in him? Did he not do what the voices told him to do, like Kevin Sr. talked about? Um, I think we talked about this, but no, I don't... I think he and Kevin were equally insane in the first season. Mm-hmm. And then he just took that and kept building on it. Yeah. And now... In classic Leftovers fashion, we laugh at this man. And also one of the high comedy points is when he's deep in this explanation of the dog people. Mm-hmm. And then he says the word canine DNA. And they're playing all this dramatic music. And, and, and they cut to Kevin's face and just stops dead. And then he delivers what is maybe the best line, uh-huh. which is just paw. Uh-huh. Paw. He, he would have his paw on the button. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which yes, let's that's, God, know, that's so good. Let's and, Dean know that. And then the follow up, which we're t- we didn't talk about much of the funny stuff in the episode, but him and Lori talking, she's like, You never tell a delusional person their delusion. He goes, Well, you said I was delusional, and uh-huh. then you went and drank poison. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm better now. <laughs> um, the, the other thing about the dog yeah. shooter is on his body, a dog runs up and grabs a sandwich and runs off. We didn't That's talk where about I was that. going with that. In classic yeah. leftovers fashion, just when you think that this is a sad story of a man who... who Gave into his delusions. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just doubled down and, and retreated in that shell and ended up getting himself killed. A fucking dog comes and retrieves the evidence. Yeah. Now, dogs <laughs> do love peanut butter. <laughs> they do. Yeah. So I don't know if that means they're an evil cabal of... Uh, 
paw firing nuke missiles but uh tommy's getting really good at shooting people in the back of the head but how does someone with his history of joining cults get into the police force must be all that sweet sweet nepotism i think you answered your own question yeah because when you were reading the when i was reading this question i'm like shit that's a really solid point like did join guilty remnant did join holy wayne was involved in a shootout with the atf ec or whatever calling themselves like that that would be some red flags yeah, and but if your dad's chief of police, right? Your dad's the chief. He can. He's he wearing can, blue jeans with his police uniform, right? And then your mom can probably advise you on how to pass the psych test, right? <laughs> right. All right. Just don't say you were in a cult, right? Don't say you're in a cult. I was in a cult. Oh <laughs> shit. Uh, Sherry S. I think the prologue is the true message of this season and the show. We, the viewer, now I think you're onto something, Sherry, because that's absolutely true of last season. Um, we the viewers just like the characters kind of help ourselves we are compelled to search for answers and meaning in life and in this story but I believe the writers have clearly hit us over the head and said we will never be definitively told anything it will be up to each one of us to interpret the evidence they put before us and to make the decision of how long to keep climbing that ladder Um, Mm -hmm. that's bleak but I think that would be satisfying but turns out that it's all like Lindelof at the end just holds up a mirror and says what do you think yeah, like that. I think that would be very leftovers esque, and not in a Sopranos kind of way, right? Not in a in a in a more. Although I even I haven't seen all of the Sopranos, but I've read like fifty thousand word essays on the ending. And right, I, I kind of come to a grudging respect for what he did there. Well, I don't want it to be a single singular moment yeah. that does that. I want it to be like the point of the final episode. Maybe is how far would you go? You know, where, yeah. where do you draw the lines? How do you feel about this? Like, is John crazy or is he rational? Yeah. Um, the, and, and also there's multiple levels to insanity because he is rational to reject the official story that the government is disseminating about what happened at the visitor center. It's true. He might be crazy to think that his daughter could eat a hellfire missile and, and not die. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean he's wrong to suspect that there's a conspiracy. Right, but is, does he suspect it for the right reasons? Right. That's right. a that's a important question. Yeah, like he has you know, broken clocks right twice a day. Right. Michael G., everyone's talking about Kevin as Jesus, which seems a little on the nose, but I don't see much talk about how his children might factor into this season. So many biblical ways one could go with this. Could Kevin be the classical biblical father figure rather than a Jesus, son of God figure? So could he be like a patriarch? Is he going to found a new nation of pigeon-catching aboriginals in australia yes he is all right uh the other question is now that i'm thinking about it why is everyone assuming that the nun is asking about kevin jr that's a good point this is in australia kevin senior has been fucking around in australia and living off the grid Uh it's arguable that he would be the bigger figure in australian folklore right yeah sure Huh. He could be their their pedestal guy, their <laughs> sure. pillar dude. They're Gary Busey. <laughs> They're Gary Busey, yeah. Does he have the Gary teeth for Busey it? Of Australia. I don't think he, he has the teeth for it. No. Um a couple possible parallels. Kevin is Abraham sacrificing Isaac or simply God the Father sacrificing his son Jesus for some sort of community or world saving event. Or maybe they invert it gender wise and have Kevin sacrifice his daughter. Think of how a decision like that would affect his relationship with Nora slash Sarah. So many interesting ways this could go. I mean, that would certainly harsh their buzz, right? If if uh, Kevin killed either Tommy or Jill. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the cru- super crucial thing in the Bible is there's a lot of child sacrifice by the patriarchs, but it was always stopped. It was always called right. off in the last minute. Yeah. So I could see where a situation where Kev, like Matt is egging him on, confident that like a burning bush, as he alluded to, or an angel will come down and stay his hand, and it just doesn't happen because this is the hmm. leftovers, not the Bible. Uh-huh. And something tragic happens. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure where Jill, other than rocking a sweet Nirvana shirt, is is headed in this season. Which that's pretty rich too. You should, it's something I, this... I know a 16 year old or whatever she is, 18 year old. Oh, I'm just going with the the actual Nirvana. Oh yeah. Like like you know it's it, it seems like Judeo Christians are are carrying the day here, but then you know some Eastern <laughs> right. philosophy creeps in the back door. Or the front door. It's the incesticide shirt, too. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, that's the name of the album that that's mm. from. So I don't know what that says. Maybe her and Tommy are banging. That's not even incest. Incesticide? It's not insecticide? It's incesticide? Incesticide, mm. yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't I don't want that. I mean, it is HBO. Yeah. It's practically go required there. to have brothers and sisters bang at some point. Right. Uh, ben T, my question to you two is a spoiler at the end of the episode where we see Sarah, who is an apparent elder version of Nora, kind of give away the ending a little. I'm referring to the flash forward Lost started doing. Now, I trust Damon a lot more that he won't fuck this up at this point. But what had been so great about the previous series is you had no idea what the fuck was going to happen. But now it seems like Sarah is alive and well, but clearly haunted by something. So if they do a flood or end of days type shit, then we know she lives. His question is, does this spoil it for us? No, it's just a different form of storytelling. It is, because... There's there's a spoiler that like gives away the ending and that's it. And there's another like a tan- like like for example, um, Memento mm. shows the very last thing that happens in the film, and yeah. then you've got two parts of the film racing to meet each other in the end. But it for damn sure didn't spoil a thing. Yeah, because you're just like more what the fuck than oh this is anticlimactic. I mean, I guess if you're the theoretical leftovers viewer that's only watching to see what happens to Nora. Okay, like the biggest Carrie Coon fan in the world, and you first mm. have to fight me for that title. Uh, but but if you're the biggest Carrie Coon fan in the world, and you're only concerned with Nora, then I guess that would let the wind out of your sails a bit. Yeah, maybe I I don't know. I guess maybe it changes it for the emailer because it's it's the last season, and yeah. that this is presumably a, fl- a flash forward to the very end of the story. But like. You know, I think back to to Breaking Bad, where they had this episode that started with Walt walking away from a massive explosion, uh, bloodied and and kind of looking triumphant. And you're like, how the fuck did he get? He looks completely different, right? His, mm-hmm. his head shaved. Mm-hmm. He's like an entirely different person than mm-hmm. the Walt you know at that point. Right. And you're thinking, how does he get there, especially in a single episode? Right. You know, I nobody was thinking, oh, this is the episode that Walt dies sure. in. So nobody was surprised, oh, he's alive. They spoiled that. But, like, I could maybe see it at the end of the series. Yeah, it's a stylistic choice to show the end game, and then it's it's a mind fuck to see how you get to that. And then also, yeah. it's, it's much more challenging art form because you have to maintain some kind of satisfying payoff and surprise with the audience knowing full well where things are going. Mm-hmm. And if they can pull that off, it can be very. You now, sometimes it just is dumb. Like The Walking Dead seems like once a season they do this flash forward, and it's just like okay, whatever. But like, but yeah. if it's done right, it can like Memento or this. Hopefully, or I mean, all of Better Call Saul. Sure, is essentially that. So, right. yeah, and uh, you know, The Leftovers has never been about the plot mechanics. It's always been about yeah. the emotion and the characters. Right. This yep. is a meditation on 
grief, loss, and recovery. So Nora surviving is less important than the state that Nora is in that she's surviving, or Sarah. Okay. Uh, KCF, apparently, um, I forgot that I stole this idea from him. He asked about why everyone's assuming that Sarah Nora is being asked about Kevin Jr. when it could just as easily be Kevin Sr. So, sorry. Sorry, I started tinted thievery. I'm going to cut that email out. You get... <laughs> We're just going to straight up jack it. Yep. Uh, but thanks for that, Casey. Uh, JK says, just want to briefly touch on the ending flash forward and point out that the music in this episode feels different from previous seasons. Yes, it does have recurring Max Richter scores, but something about that last shot of the episode, the new music we haven't heard before, has an epic feel that got me so excited. want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I agree. There's a little bit Game of Throny. Okay. Riceroni feel yeah. to that final. Like it starts off with just a pianos, but then it becomes much more in a way that I'm not sure this show has actually hmm. done before. So, I mean, that's appropriate. Like, I feel like this is the last season. Pull out the stops. Sure. Everybody. Yeah. Max, come on. Get, 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 find something besides a piano. Uh, <laughs> but I did, I did, no, I did notice it different. And it did, it did I, I agree with your take on that lending an epic air. Uh, Barry C., could it be that this has the most named characters killed off in any new season opener of an established major drama? Not all confirmed, of course, but we've got Meg, Evie, Dean, and it looks like maybe Lily, plus there could have been more named characters killed by the drone. I don't know, Game of Thrones kills a lot of people. Uh, I'm trying to think of others that have done that, too. Uh, I, I feel like Fargo killed a lot of named like like the the first i don't want to spoil anything but there was some shocking deaths very early on in that but yeah yeah i i mean i was definitely shocked that they dispensed with meg and evie mm-hmm. and really again it's it's so funny that i was so worried about the missing six hours that evie and her friends were running around in the woods and now yeah damon Lindelof just fires a hellfire down that theory and it's gone so yeah i was re- re-watching season two weren't they in the trailer during those missing six hours I mean, isn't that super obvious in retrospect? Well, huh. No, there was more to it than that. It's more like because they established a timeline of Kevin's birthday party. Or was it John's birthday party? It was someone's birthday party. They had a party. And Evie left and went with her friends. It was fairly early in the night. And then they woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it seemed like there was a little bit. But you might be right. Oh. That I, I think they were just meeting with Meg at that point. Like, Okay. There's, you know, at the end of that season, they say, hey, they've been in it together the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Meg visited to see Isaac or whatever his name is. I mean, it's almost like we're proving our po- own point because, like, this is so, at this point, with the, the drone strike being launched, like, none of this is material anymore. So even if there was a little bit yeah. of a mystery, let's let the mystery be. Right. Um, okay, that's it. We okay. got some light spoiler discussion. Again, it's about episode titles. It's about things revealed in the Mimi Leader interview. It's about um, things we saw in the this season on. Is there anything that's that's outside of that scope? I just want to get people because some people I know are I really so, kind of no. on the fence about whether they should listen to spoilers or not. Yeah, these are it. not like we got a leak of the next script or we saw the next episode. It's nothing like that. No. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, the big thing that I want to talk about which I think is germane, is have you seen the last episode title for the season? I haven't. It's The Book of Nora. <laughs> All right. That's pretty fucking... I already like the finale already. You got The uh-huh. Book of Kevin and then The Book of Nora. Yeah. Now, and and the fact that she's renamed as Sarah, and we already talked about the biblical significance of that, just adds more to it. But the idea that she is going to go on 
post whatever happens in Jarden or post whatever happens in Australia and be some kind of significant figure to have a book as a, as as the biggest Carrie Coon fan in the world makes me pretty happy. Okay. And like I, you said, that's like that's a spoiler, but I don't know how to classify it. It's 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 another one of those things like it tells you a lot but really nothing other than yeah. buckle up there's going to be some cool shit. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, you have one because we can take turns here. You, you had something you want to talk about? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. The other, the only thing of significance in the new trailer that we saw for the season was there looks like there's a guy who's in a bunker or maybe a submarine and he looks like he's naked okay. and he's got his paw on the button. Uh-huh. He's obviously a half human, half canid. Obviously. He's, he is, uh, he's, he's Channing Tatum from Jupiter Ascending. Yep. He's half half dog DNA, and he's going to nuke everybody. What? Any ideas about that? Because they're, 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 the one thing we talked about, remember in the alphabet of the apocalypse, yeah, which is this thing that they did, HBO did on their, their Watching the Leftovers blog, where they just, without commented, had like a Richard Scary type alphabet illustrated for like, you know, L is for the loved ones we lost along the way, and... And why is for Yemen and the war we don't understand or whatever. And there was one that was about a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. that has that was was nowhere in this the source. Is, is this finally going to be? Are we finally going to get to see? I mean, the it could, of that. Yeah, it could very well be. You know, after I mean that was season two, so we know that. Or wait, was it? That's season one. Season that they one. All that. Huh. Yeah, I was gonna say that season two. So they'd started kind of working on the next stuff but plus i just think, i guess not i, 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 I that's the other thing is like i i want to just laugh off dean's dog conspiracy but they're talking about the paw on the button and then right. you literally see a guy now other people on reddit pointed out that the easy explanation is there's going to be some kind of flashback involving a guy because if you don't know like when they pilot drones they sit in these little trailers that have kind of gear like this and maybe he's he's turning the key and launching a button to the to, to launch the airstrike naked well, he did. He looked na- naked, right? You'd have to be in uniform to pilot a drone. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's just hot as hell in those trailers, and it's 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 they they've had a deviation from the regulations. You can pilot drones no, in your underwear. There's no deviations. You have to there wear are regulations a, for a reason. The drones in the uniform. You're just a guy piloting it. So yeah, I I, I feel like it's more. <laughs> you're supposed to understand it's some kind of nuke type of thing. So so okay, I've got some quotes from Reddit that I. I had read, this is what I was going to talk about. If you read the nuking the ice caps, therefore bring the global flood, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, yeah. Just all right, I all right. I got, I got the that's, gun. That's it's not, cocked right here. has nothing to do right with it. Right here. Make it happen. Uh, so there are apparently some spoilers, and these are like potentially legitimate spoilers. So if you don't want Shit, spoilers I, for plot. Can I walk out of the room? No. Damn you can't. It. You got to stay right here. Uh, but everyone else has the opportunity to turn it off right now. Because I'm going to talk about two minor spoilers. Are you going to talk about the Mimi Leader interview? I don't know if because it's Mimi if, Leader. Because if you're talking, like, I want th- this is not that mo- momentous of a spoiler. So can okay. we do this one first? Yeah. So Mimi Leader in this Variety interview, she says, um, "Oh, the thing about the the woman, yeah, yeah." She says she goes to the nuns and drops off the birds, and the nun asks her, "There was a man who came looking for her, Sarah. Do you know someone named Kevin?" Right. Now, that's not the actual dialogue that's said. No, it's not. But it might have been a version of the dialogue before they decided they want to peel some things back and not give away too many things. Right, and, and it could people, be a greater understanding of the show. And it could be also the fact that she's prop, presumably directed several of the other episodes of the season. She's right. one of the lead directors of the show. And it could just reflect to her greater understanding of what we're going to come – just like you said. I don't yeah. know why I'm restating so, it. That, that, I thought that was – it's not groundbreaking or like yeah. world-shattering, but it is revealing. 
Yeah, someone named Kevin. We don't know which Kevin. Yeah. Has potentially come looking for. Okay. Um, something that might be a little more concrete plot-wise. Okay. Uh, if you God don't want to hear wish, it. I wish I could opt out of this. Turn it off right now. Um, so this is coming from a source just on Reddit, uh, the Usher 88 A source, eh? Yeah. He, I mean, it's from a couple of reviews, and he quotes the Vulture review for one of them. But um, the first quote is, Nora will investigate a group of Australian entrepreneurs who claim to have identified a machine that can transport people to the afterlife. And then from the Vulture interview... Oh, shit, I already saw this. The Vulture review, it says, even a cursory examination of the scenario they described makes it sound as if participants are paying good money to be disintegrated inside of a device that sounds alarmingly like a human-sized microwave oven. But Nora is so obsessed with reconnecting with a family she lost on the day of the event that you can immediately tell she's considering the possibility. So this could be... I mean, the naked guy could be pressing the button on the microwave oven that disintegrates people. <laughs> well, we also saw Laura getting into boxes and crates and stuff. Right. So this is plausible. Plausible. Um, and it comes from a Vulture's review, I guess, of, I don't know, the season or what they've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, See, I, 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 Alan Zeppelin claimed he's seen seven of the eight episodes so far, which chaps my ass. Damn. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of also fuck fuck you guys images, fuck, fuck you but... guys for um fuck you guys for like spoiling this shit for us. Like you've seen all seven episodes. Keep it to yourself, <laughs> right? Don't fucking reveal the microwave boxes. Well, that, the, not revealing things isn't going to get clicks, Aaron. We never spoil looking shit. for clicks. We never spoil shit that we weren't supposed to. We can't get previews like that. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, we make our job so much easier. Podcast would be ten times better if we could get an early look at the stuff. Sure would. Hello, HBO. All right, that's all I got though. Okay, um, that was a more eventful spoiler section than I might have uh, otherwise ble- believed. But uh, I don't think we're going to make a habit of that. I just really wanted to talk about the book of Nora more than anything. Yeah. All right. So if you have feedback, um, you can send it to leftovers at baldmove dot com. And we will consider it. Uh, I get a large volume of these emails, and I can't read every one, but I do appreciate them. And uh, just this show, this show having having three of the greatest shows on television back at the same time is a rare treat. Better Call Saul, uh, Leftovers, and Fargo. And guess what? We're covering them all we on are. BaldMove.com. So if you want to join in those conversations, check us out at BaldMove.com. Otherwise, we'll be back next week for another, I'm sure, awesome episode of The Leftovers, and we'll see you then.